Welcome to Kid Missing Radio. I'm your host, Angelina Wilson. This is our first new show on Anchor. I'm very excited about this because we are being distributed on seven platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Now, I just want to give you some updates on some cases. Um, Mississippi Delta Dawn, as you heard in in the um, podcast that I did for her, um, I added a little update. Her name, we now know, was Alicia Ann Heinrich. Her mother, Gwendolyn Clemens, is missing and presumed deceased. Unfortunately, the killer was never brought to justice because he passed away before they figured out what the heck happened. Um, we also had an update, as you know, on the Lion Sisters case. If you follow my videos on YouTube, link in the description. Um, the killer, Lloyd Welch, went to prison, a place he was not unfamiliar with. Um, couple of other members of his family also wound up there, um, including a female member for lying to police. It's believed they're buried somewhere in a mountain in Virginia. Um, police are still looking, still have not found the remains of these two little girls. We need to do that. We need to make him tell us where they are so that their parents can properly bury them. Um, I need to apologize to several families, to Jim Hoffman, Ray Romano, and three other authors whose podcasts were deleted by Blog Talk Radio. I did not know they were going to be deleting them until I got a notice saying all your podcasts from whatever point, all your podcasts from this point forward, um, every time you make one, the bottom one will be dropped. That's when I found out. That's all they told me. I was not pleased. Another reason I switched over here. Um, and I have not been able to figure out how to get that audio back. That's my audio. Those are my interviews with, like I said, families, authors that took time out of their busy schedules. And I think it's horrible that they've been deleted and I can't get them. And I can't get a hold of Blog Talk. They won't talk to me because I wasn't a paid member. I do not have that problem with Anchor. And I want to thank them for that. Um, as I mentioned earlier, we have a YouTube, Kid Missing TV. You can check that out. Again, I'll put the link in the description. Um, I am uploading old podcasts on here, the ones that I could get the audio for. Um, so go ahead and listen. That would be a great help for me. Um, and, of course, more importantly, for the victims, the families. Um, again, thank you for your support in this change. I want to thank Mo from Deep Dark Truth Podcast uh, for 
supporting me and for encouraging me to do this. Um, myself and Jim Hoffman, who wrote the definitive book on The Boy in the Box, will be on Deep Dark Truth Podcast um, at some point in this year, in the next few months. Um, but they, unlike me, have guests lined up for weeks at a time. <laughs> um, so we have to wait on that. But what I was hoping to do is upload the last two Boy in the Box shows that I did on Blog Talk. They deleted them both. I've got to find that audio. If you have any idea, let me know. I don't know if there's comments. Um, I think there are on some platforms. Um, forgive me if I'm not as familiar with all the platforms. Um, I have added a couple of new cases. Um, I have made a new Facebook group for a case for a man I called Journal John. He was a John Doe that was found at a campsite in the National Forest. Uh, in Garfield County, Colorado. Sorry. And um, he was a skeleton at that point. I believe he died of exposure. Um, he had a journal with him. As well as a four-in-one Radio Shack brand game. Pictures of all of this are on the Facebook group, Journal John, uh, who was Journal John. They estimated his age between 25 and 65 because, unfortunately, once you're past puberty and, and past the point of teeth erupting and stuff, it's very difficult to get an accurate age. I think he was on the later end of that based on the reconstruction. And the fact that they found 20 packs, which is two cartons of camel cigarettes with him, that's an older person's brand, um, generally speaking. So that's another indication that um, he was an older person. This county, by the way, is in the northwest corner of the state. Um, again, I put up pictures of the journal pages that they've released. I wish they would release more of the pages because um, it may give clues. Still trying to read those pages. Um, hopefully members of the group will read them and translate them. <laughs> well, not really translate, but transcribe because they're in English. Um, <clears throat> there was an interesting sort of drawing on the cover of the journal. It'd be interesting to try to figure out what what that is um because it doesn't look like a doodle it looks like almost like a tattoo drawing type deal um there's also a picture of that there so i guess he was out camping and didn't have the right gear i'm not sure exactly what happened um and on my website Kid Missing, I have every week what we call the Featured Case of the Week, where I put up a case on the Featured Case page of the site. Um, 
and I update the homepage every week. This week's featured case is Miss X. She was found in Delaware, the Wilmington area, um, on March 18, 1967. Oh, I didn't mention when Journal John was actually found, September 8, 2004. Um, she was between 16 and 25 years of age. I'm guessing they did that by teeth. She was three months pregnant. It appeared to police like someone had tried to give her an abortion. They put some kind of an ab abortifacient, which is something that causes an abortion, into her female cavity. And they thought that might have been the cause of death. But um, the coroner found that she actually died of sepsis. Her and her baby. Um, uh, sepsis is a full body infection. It's an infection that goes through the bloodstream. It's when you have an infection, it gets into your bloodstream. It just goes everywhere. Um, surviving sepsis is... Um, it doesn't have a very good survival rate. Let's put it that way. Um, she may have survived being a young person had she gone to the hospital before it got to that point. Um, they don't know exactly what the infection was, if it was some kind of streptococcal or staphylococcal infection. They don't know. Um, she was very young, and it was 1967. So that means that abortions were still illegal in the United States because this was pre-Roe v. Wade. Um, so if someone had tried to abort her baby and caused an infection, they would not have taken her for help. Um, and therefore, she would have laid there and died. Um, it would have been, if you're not familiar with sepsis, a pretty awful death because it would have been a slow death. It would have been painful ill it just would have been horrible um a death that could have been avoided if it weren't for what i'm guessing was a scared person that tried to abort a baby caused an infection probably tried to treat it themselves because they were scared they didn't want to go to jail um the girl was probably scared she was probably a pregnant teenager um you know, in 1967, her parents probably would have made her give up the baby. Um, so that's uh, my guess. Now, they haven't said that, but that's my guess. Um, basically, I guess that on my medical knowledge, uh, my historical knowledge, so it's, I guess you could call it an educated guess <laughs> that that is why she died. Um, now, if she went to a back alley butcher, you would think that someone, a family member, would have reported her missing, um, would have been looking for her um, when she didn't come home from wherever she went or wherever she told them she went, because chances are she did not tell her family she was going to an illegal abortion clinic, but she clearly did. Unless someone did it 
against her will, which you may say, well, that's not possible. Well, yeah, it actually is. Um, my great, great, great grandfather um, was a physician in Maine. He actually, um, it's in the law books, was tried for forcing an abortion on a woman. Um, he was found not guilty because her husband consented. And in those days, um, this was late 1800s. <laughs> so this was, this was uh, a little before Miss X, but same idea. The husband consented and the woman had not. So she tried to take them to court and um, it failed because she had no rights in that time period. So I do know that there is precedent in my own family for that kind of thing to happen where it could have been forced on her. And if it was forced on her by a family member or partner, <laughs> then that would explain why she might not have been reported missing. Um, again, she went in Delaware. Delaware is the second smallest state in the union to Rhode Island. So that leads me to believe that she could have potentially been from Maryland, Virginia, DC, anywhere in that area or from Delaware itself. But it seems to me that I don't know if they would have left her in the same state being that that state is so small. Um, you know, if they were from Delaware, um, because like I said, the state is so tiny that someone's bound to say, oh my goodness, I recognize that reconstruction, um, or I recognize the details in the newspaper, or, because I'm assuming this was in the newspaper, I will go into the newspaper archives and see what I can find. Um, <coughs> so I have two new videos up on the, um, YouTube channel. Um, I will do a video about this case and Journal John as well. Um, still practicing with green screen. Um, I'm learning how to edit with a green screen. Um, learning how to light the green screen. So this is all new to me. Um, I've never done green screen by myself. Um, you'll notice that my Kid Missing TV videos that were done in the studio were done with green screen um, to give me a background. But um, I need to learn to do it myself now. So it's, it's a long Um Probably you'll bear with me in that process. Um, oh, and I do want to thank here as well. Um, George George, taking a risk, um, YouTube channel, he subscribed to me. This is a big deal, um, for me, because he's probably, well, for a couple of reasons. One, he's probably my subscriber with the most subscribers, which is always a good thing. Um, it, it helps to get your videos recommended to his subscribers. 
Um, he is actually the brother of George from What the Hales. Um, she's Jeremy's partner, girlfriend. Um, so to have that, and I've actually gotten an email from George um, when I wrote to them, so that was pretty neat. Um, and yes, that's her name. <laughs> um, it's it's an Egyptian thing. All children get the father's name as their middle name. And that is her middle name, and that's what Jeremy calls her. Um, so they call her brother George George. <laughs> um, he has some pretty wacky videos out right now. He's got videos talking about the stimulus. Um, I think the funniest title he did was the other day. Um, when Mitch McConnell wouldn't put through the extra two grand, he wrote, you dirty son of a Mitch, <laughs> as the title for the video, which I thought was absolutely hilarious. Um, again, I, I, I also want to thank everyone who's working so hard on the Boy in the Box group. We have literally thousands of members now. And I never imagined the group would get that big, that that many people would care about a little boy. Um, if you're not familiar, I'll just give you the basics. <coughs> Excuse me, this little boy uh, was found in a box full of clothes. It was a box for a bassinet in February of 1957 in the Fox Chase District of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Um, there have been many clues, false starts, hints in this case. Um, this dedicated group of men called the VDOC Society, who work tirelessly on this case. Um, they've even given him a new tombstone instead of America's Unknown Child. It, it, it's even nicer than that. Um, Well, actually, that's what it says, but it's even nicer than his original uh, tombstone. He's buried in a really nice cemetery. Um, people keep up his grave. Um, we believe, based on a whole lot of investigation, his first name may be Jonathan, which we lovingly call him, or we call him our boy. Um but a couple of people have come forward with the name Jonathan. So we go by that. Um, now, again, I'm not going to go into too many details. Um, we'll save that for the other podcast and for Jim, because this was just Jim's work. This was um, Romano's work. I called him Ray Romano, didn't I? <laughs> Oh, earlier in the podcast, I believe I called him Ray Romano. That's not his name. Uh, he's an author. Anyway, um, sorry about that. <laughs> um, I didn't even realize it until now that I did that. He, um, It's their work. It's Rut's work. That's a, a pseudonym, Rut Rutledge. And we want to leave it to them. Um, to talk about it in their time. Um, 
but it's exciting and we're getting closer and we can feel it. We can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, and that's just so exciting. Again, the only other clues with the boy besides the bassinet box were some clothing that were in the box with him. He had bruises all over him. You can go to the America's Unknown Child website and actually view pictures, if you have the stomach for it, of this poor child um, who was between three and six years old. Um, he definitely had some medical problems. We know this. We know that he had had um, a Whipple procedure, which is usually done for pancreatic cancer. Now, preschoolers don't get big pancreatic cancer, so it had to be for something else. He also had dye put in his eyes. Um, eye drops that were like a, a dye that would glow under certain lights so you could see certain things. Um, I did research on that myself, and it had to have been done within 24 hours of his death because he would have metabolized it. They wouldn't have found it in his eyes um, on his autopsy. So he had to have been to an eye doctor within 24 hours of his death, which is weird. Um, an ophthalmologist, chances are. So I don't know why they didn't canvas all the ophthalmologists in the area. There can't be that many. Especially back then, you know? Um, and chances are, like I said, it was an ophthalmologist and not an optometrist because of the specifics of the dye. And um, ophthalmologists diagnose. Again, that interested me because of my own history with my eyes um, and having been to an ophthalmologist since I was about three years old um, and having my eyes dilated and all of the stuff that I went through and the patch therapy. So that just caught my attention again, because of my own, like I said, my own background. Um, so that made me go and research it. And that's where I found that information. I know I posted it in the group somewhere. I cannot find my post because <laughs> I wanted the link out of my post because I wanted to refresh my memory when I was talking to Jim Hoffman on the phone about that situation um, because I had found it and he hadn't seen it. So I wanted to refresh my memory, but I can't find it. Um, I knew the kind of die and everything. And I also went over to America's Unknown Child page and I can't find the reference to it. But I know I found a reference to it somewhere. Um, it looks to me in the pictures, the pictures are black and white. Like he might've been a, a sandy or dirty blonde. Um, cause he had fairly light hair. He had bruises all around his head. Like his head was being held as he was being, his hair was being clipped cause his hair was clearly freshly cut. I mean, there were pieces of it still on his, on him. I believe his body was naked in the box. Um, he, from all the people that claim to have known him, um, he was, and from research, he may have been very handicapped. Um, he had had several scars, including something called a cut down. 
which um, is where they literally will make an incision to find your vein to put an IV in. That is horrendous. So whoever had this child was taking care of this child medically. The child was undernourished, and I don't know why doctors didn't see that. Unless the undernourishment came from the Whipple procedure, which in my research I found that that can happen, um, that you might not digest um, as well, you know, and as completely and get all the stuff that you need and gain weight because um, he was underweight. Police even dressed the boy and set him up for pictures to make him look alive, quote unquote. Yeah, not so much. Looked more like a Halloween prop. But I understand what they were trying to do in 1957. But if you see the pictures, it's it, Halloween. Um, by his teeth. Like I said, that's how we know his, his approximate age, three to six. Um, he's probably around four or five, which is right in the middle of that range, obviously. Um, and so that's the extent of it. He was never reported missing as far as anyone could tell. Police literally went through all of the footprints of every child born in the area. None of them matched. <laughs> they still have our boys' footprints. Um, those are posted in the group as well. Um, they went through pictures of immigrants in the immigration service because one of their leads was that he was an immigrant boy from Hungary. Well, that's not where he's from. <laughs> we know this now. They didn't then. And it wasn't him. They found the boy alive and well with his father. So it was another dead end. Cases like this have a lot of false starts, dead ends. Um, but they never gave up, which is the important thing. They still haven't. It's still an open investigation to Philadelphia, which is absolutely crazy. Um, I want to go on to another case real quick. That's another pet case of mine. also have a Facebook group. Um, Little Miss Panasofki. Um, through my Facebook group, I actually got a new lead in that case about um, a Greek TV show. Uh, so brand new drawings were made based off the lead from the Greek TV show, which a girl from Greece actually posted in my group. I've also talked to the detective in charge of Little Miss Panasofki's case. Um, Hers was a case that was actually featured on Unsolved Mysteries. She was found on the shore of Lake Panasofki under a bridge. Some kids were running on the bridge, some teenagers, and they looked down and to their horror found a decomposing human body. I mean, I can't even imagine what that was like. Of course, they went to the police and the police went, found her with a, a very large man's belt around her neck. Can you say cause of death? Um, she had one, possibly two children. Um, they know this from scarring. Um, I think probably an episiotomy scar, given the time period. She, she was found in 1971. 
Um, so episiotomies were much more common then. Uh, today they're not. Um, if you don't know what that is, it's where they cut the your opening and make it larger. Cut it toward the front and make it larger so the baby's head can come out. Yeah, it's as awful as it sounds. <laughs> um, glad they don't do that anymore, <laughs> for the most part. Um, but it was a common procedure in those days. Um, so that's probably the scar they're referring to. They may be referring to also scarring on the pelvic bones, because when you have more than one child, um, there's a scarring that occurs on the pelvic bones. Um, and you can actually see that. There is some scientific question about the accuracy of this notch, this um, scarring area in the pelvis, um, and whether or not it actually relies on Um, the science that it that it relies on, they're not 100% sure of it. Um, I'm gonna be done here because I've only got 30 minutes, but that's okay. Um, I can record longer somewhere else, it says. Uh, just learning, so I hope you enjoyed the show. Good night and God bless. And remember,